Ajunulambito Bujo Kanatabatu Sankitanai Kapitaro Kamalaya Takso Vishwamboro Dvijaboro Yugodharma Palo Vande Jagat Priyakaro Karunabotaro Vande Sri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Gurudai Pushpabanto Chitra Sangdo Tamuno Vandeham Sri Ramakrishna Abhayo Charanasato Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Subalakriyo He Krishna Karna Sindhu Inabandu Jagatpate Gopi Shagopi Kanta Radha Kanta Namostude Tapta Kanchana Gurangi Radhe Brindavanishwari Vishwabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Shri Gaudiya Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Jiva Goswami Ki Jai Shri Krishna Sandarbha Ki Jai Anantakoti Vaishnavindi Ki Jai Glorious devotees Thank you for attending another presentation on Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. We continue today with our presentation of the section on hermeneutics, dealing with the last part of the fourfold army in support of the Parivas Sutra. Again, our Parivasutra, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Srila Jiva Goswami has provide, provided much information in this uh, part of his Paramatma Sandarva, dealing extensively with uh, establishing uh, in different ways uh, by and utilizing a an analogy of a the divisions of an army, uh, his immense support from the Srimad Bhagavatam for the statement, uh, the Parivas Sutra, the key to understanding the entirety of the text, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. So we're in this last section here, Sat Praman and Sad Linga. And again, just to remind ourselves, hermeneutics is the theory and methodology of interpretation, especially the interpretation of spiritual texts, wisdom literature, and philosophical texts. Hermeneutics is more than interpretive principles or methods used when immediate comprehension fails and includes the art of understanding and communication. So we've had an interesting journey in Srila Jiva Goswami's uh, utilization of the 
Sat Praman of the uh, Mamamsa school in drawing parallels between the application of that um, Sat Praman hermeneutic approach uh, to an approach of various statements in the Bhagavad Purana uh, to show the position of the uh, Pariva Sutra. And uh, again, just to reinforce the fact that whatever way you look at it, um, if you're going to use linguistics, if you're going to use logic, if you're going to use just direct declaratory statements, if you're going to look into the Leland narrative itself and all the major dialogues in the Srimad Bhagavatam, if you look at the Bhagavat Purana in any of these ways, you will come away repeatedly with a comprehensive acceptance of the fact that the main subject matter of the Srimad Bhagavatam is Bhagavan Sri Krishna, and that he is the topmost manifestation of divinity. So we'll continue today uh, with our presentation. Uh, we're now in the uh, 74th Anucheta, uh, and the subject has changed at this point. Uh, the Sat Praman, the evidences that Jiva Goswami utilized um, to provide a way in, to support the Parivas Sutra that come out of hermeneutics that were also employed in the Mamamsa approach to scripture. Um, he's now switching over to Sadlinga, which is another set of uh, hermeneutics. So there's more than one set of hermeneutics. And uh, here we go to this, what is called Sadlinga. And he utilizes one aspect of Sadlinga uh, called Abasa. And he writes as follows. Moreover, in this book containing 18 thousand verses, we find a great deal of repetition, a boss of Sri Krishna's name, particularly in the following sections. In the first, tenth, and eleventh cantos throughout the text, in the second canto, in the dialogue between Brahma and Narada, in the third canto, in the dialogue between Vidura and Uddhava, and in the fourth canto, in verses such as those two Krishnas, Krishna and Arjuna, who are the supports of the Yadu and Kuru dynasties, are umsas of Bhagavan Hari, who have appeared in this world to relieve the earth of its burden. He continues, now quoting on another verse. So he's, again, he's trying to show us that throughout the Bhagavatam, we find repeatedly references to Bhagavan Sri Krishna as the topmost manifestation of divinity. So because the main subject of the book 
first of all, we have the key to understanding the book. And now the subject, the main character within the whole narrative of the 18,000 chapters is repeatedly shown to be Bhagavan Sri Krishna, Lord Krishna. So he continues, and in this verse as well, kindly relate to me who am devoted and affectionate both to you and to Lord Adoksaja. All other virtuous glories of the almighty Bhagavan Sri Krishna of pure fame related to his deeds in his previous avatar in which he milked this earth in the form of King Pritu, the son of Vena. Then he quotes from the fifth canto. O king, Bhagavan Mukunda, Sri Krishna, the bestower of liberation, was indeed the protector, preceptor, worshipable deity, beloved friend, and chief of your family, the Kurus, and of the Yadus. Moreover, at times, he even acted as a servant of you, Pandavas, as well. My dear one, once in a while, he awards liberation to those who worship him, but he never grants bhakti yoga. Then he quotes one additional verse from the sixth canto. May Lord Keshava protect me with his club at the end of the night. And may Govinda, who, Govinda, who holds a flute in his hand, protect me in the early morning. Jiva Goswami continues to write, in the eighth canto, in regards to the slaying of Kalanami, which is like the sowing of the seed of the exquisite glory of Krishna, as it is the preliminary step in the narration of Krishna's unique glory. This is due to the fact that Kalanami was unable to attain liberation despite being killed even by Srimad Ajita himself. But when he was reborn as Kamsa, he was then liberated by him. Goes on. This is a long anocheta here, but he's just trying to show that this is repeatedly in every dialogue. Again, we find Krishna comes up uh, and because he comes up repeatedly, we can employ the hermeneutic principle of a boss um, as a criteria to make a determination that Krishna is the primary, hmm, excuse me, uh, Krishna is the primary subject matter for the entire Srimad Bhagavatam. In the 12th canto, he quotes the following, O Krishna, friend of Arjuna, best of the Vrishnis, you are the fire to burn the kings who are hostile to the earth. Your prowess is imperishable, O Govinda. Your holy glories are sung by the cowherd damsels and the servants of Vraj. Simply hearing about you is auspicious. Please protect us, for we are your servants. 
Finally, in the brief summary of the Srimad Bhagavatam provided at the end of the book, in the latter part of the description, the name of Krishna has been sung far more extensively than that of anyone else. Whatever topic is repeated in a book is considered to be its primary subject. This conclusion has been supported even by others in their explanation of the sutra. Brahman is full of bliss because this has been affirmed repeatedly. On this basis, Sri Krishna is understood as the chief subject here in Srimad Bhagavatam. Thus, he alone is established the, as the original Bhagavan. Indeed, this book has been named the Bhagavat simply because it propounds the identity of Bhagavan. Moreover, it is not that the repetition found here involves no more than frequent intimation of him. Rather, it is seen that more than half of the book treats him as the principal topic of discussion, and that also in a manner exceeding all other descriptions in its mystery. Therefore, it has been appropriately said, all these are either portions, umsas, or minute portions, kalas, of the Purusha, but Krishna alone is Bhagavan himself. In a corresponding manner, I have examined the army of supporting statements of this imperial decree. So a little commentary in this regard uh, is in order. And I think that we, as Gaudiya Vaishnavs, need to take to heart the significance of exactly how important the Srimad Bhagavatam is to our understanding it does constitute the main source of Sambandha Gyan. And we find that all the great followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu have drawn from the Bhagavat Purana in order to produce their seminal texts for our Gaudiya Sampradaya, whether it be Brihat Bhagavatamrita, which is a, a retelling of the Bhagavat Purana um, in a different narrative, but all the main, the main subject, Krishna, is there throughout uh, that presentation by Srila Sanatana Goswami. And, or we go to Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, we find the basis for all of those uh, instructions on how to properly develop uh, a relationship with the Supreme Lord in loving service are based on what's presented in the Bhagavat Purana. 
want to speak of the commentaries that the Goswamis and their immediate followers um, have have themselves have given extensive commentaries on the Bhagavatam. And of course, we find Jiva Goswami's uh, satsandarbhas are really the, the unpacking of the Bhagavat Purana in a systematic way where Sambanda is presented in four, the four volumes, the first four volumes, the Tattva, the Bhagavat Sandarbha, Paramatma Sandarbha, and now in the Krishna Sandarbha. And then Jiva is then going to go forward to the Bhakti Sandarbha and the Preeti Sandarbha. So, and all, all his entire Sandarbhas is based on the Bhagavat Purana. And then we find a retelling of the core understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism by Srila Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And throughout that, there's immense reference back to the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we, we can't, as Gaudiyas, uh, emphasize enough uh, the necessity to, to take this understanding to heart and to immerse ourselves throughout our life in the Bhagavat Purana and those literatures that have come forth directly from it um, as presented by the architects of the Sampradaya, the Goswamis, and uh, the immense commentaries on the Bhagavat Purana coming forward in time. Um, there's so much uh, literature out there in relationship, but if we, we want to build a firm foundation, let us start with an understanding of the Srimad Bhagavatam and deal with these core literatures of the Goswamis and, and make sure that any other approach we have to our individual spiritual development is centered um, upon the Bhagavat Purana. It is the sunshine in our life, in our spiritual life. So it, it does provide uh, the core understanding which, which illuminates everything to do with our spiritual development, the Sambandha, the Abhideya, and the Prayojana. And although there are hundreds of literatures out there on devotional service and presented by various Gaudiya Vaishnavs, um, time is short and we should, in my opinion, concentrate our efforts uh, primarily on the Bhagavat Purana, the literatures of the Goswamis, their immediately follow, followers, and the comprehensive commentaries. Uh, of course, once one advances into the stages of Ruchi and Asakti and Bhava, their, their taste in acquiring transcendental uh, fulfillment 
may develop in a more particular way and other esoteric literatures may draw them. But in the preliminary stages of sadhana bhakti, Bhagavat Purana is that sun which illuminates our ent- the entirety of our spiritual involvement. And if we, if we take advantage of the sun of the Bhagavat Purana, then uh, we will be firmly situated. So some commentary in regards to this uh, uh, linga here, uh, satlinga of repetition. Next, Sri Jiva Goswami surveys all 12 cantos to show that Krishna is the subject of the Bhagavat Purana by virtue of being spoken of more frequently than any other form of Bhagavan. The contents of the Bhagavat Purana are summarized by Sutta in 42 verses in the 12th chapter of the 12th canto. Of these, 17 pertain directly to Sri Krishna. It was said in Anucheta 56 that almost half of the book is directly about Krishna. So this is confirmed by this indexing of its subjects. Sri Krishna is thus concluded to be the subject of the Bhagavat on the basis of abhasa, or repetition. Abhasa is one of the six hermeneutical indicators to determine the subject of a book. These are referred to as sadlinga and were discussed already in the Paramatma Sandarbha. Here in Krishna Sandarbha, Sri Jiva examines a second set of six hermeneutical principles, called Sat Praman, beginning with Shruti, direct statements. In the concluding portions of Anucheta 74, however, Sri Jiva refers once again to Abhasa from the first set of indicators, Sadlinga, in his commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, Anandamayobhyasat. Sankaracharya also acknowledges Abhasa as evidence of the truth that Brahman is intrinsically of the nature of Ananda. Sri Jiva points this out in order to confirm the universality of Avas as a valid means of textual analysis. So if we look back to the Paramatma Sandarbha and the referenced Anuchedas, uh, particular in the 105th Anucheda of the Paramatma Sandarbha, uh, Jiva Goswami uh, writes the following there. We will now deliberate on the meaning of the Bhagavatam according to the six criteria by which a book's purport is asserted. In view of this preeminence of Sri Bhagavan, these criteria are described as follows. And then Jiva Goswami writes, the sixfold criteria by which one can establish the meaning of a text are the introductory and concluding statements, repetition, originality, result, glorification, and logical confirmation. So these six uh, make up sadlinga. as opposed to the Sad Praman, which was presented before uh, here in the 
Krishna Sandarbha, uh, beginning with uh, Shruti and the other uh, five indicators. So these are other indicators, and there they, while the Sat Praman deals with specific statement and uh, the structure of sentences and, you know, the way things are presented in the literature. Um, Sadlinga looks more at the overall text itself. So Sat Praman is more of a a focused look at the content put forth in a literature and the contents content and how it's presented, whereas Sadlinga looks more at the literature in its entirety. And so these two complement each other. And Jiva Goswami here has used both of these systems of understanding a text, Sat Praman and Sadlinga, to reinforce the understanding of the key approach to the Srimad Bhagavatam, and that is the acceptance of Bhagavan Sri Krishna as the topmost manifestation of divinity. So if we look at a book, we can look, the first one, the introductory and concluding statements, they generally are in relationship to the subject of the book. Repetition throughout the book is generally there of the subject of the book. Originality, the presentation of the subject of a book in different uh, in different ways within the literature in an original and uh, a new way for the reader. Uh, the result, when you walk away from reading a, a literature, what's the result? What, what are the thoughts? Uh, what, have, what have you gained from that reading? Um, glorification is the fifth, uh, and we find in any literature glorification of the, of the main subject of that literature. If it wasn't, if it wasn't a glorious, um, a glorious subject that was being presented, uh, then who would be really interested in, in taking advantage of it? Of course, we can see, a, think of some con contradictory applications, but there the glorification would be in understanding a negative topic for your well-being. And of course, six is logical confirmation. After reading a literature, you should be able, by looking at the entirety of what you have uh, taken in through your reading, uh, you should be able to logically arrive through the direction of the writer at the conclusion uh, intended by him um, in regards to the main subject being presented. 
We'll continue a little bit more in the commentary here, just so we, we understand it. In Anucheta 30, Shujiva Goswami had compared the formal declaration, Pratijna, Krishnastu Bhagavan Swayam, to an all-conquering emperor, accompanied by his fourfold army, who has subdued all opponents. In the spirit of this analogy, Sri Jiva displays the four divisions of his, this army from Anuchetas 30 to 74. The first division is in the form of statements that describe Krishna as the source of the Leela avatars, Guna avatars, and Purusha avatars. In the second division, he shows that the sole intention of all the principal speakers and students within the Bhagavad itself is to speak and hear specifically about Krishna. The third division establishes Krishna as the subject of the Bhagavad on the basis of the six kinds of evidence, praman taken from the Mamamsa school of hermeneutics, Shruti, Linga, Vakya, and so on. The final division validates the same conclusion through the principle of a boss. From the other set of six indicators, Sadlinga discussed already in Paramatma Sandarbha. Out of these four divisions, the first category of statements may be likened to the charioteers, the second to the elephant division, the third to the cavalry, and last to the infantry. Now, Jiva Goswami changes uh, course to a small extent, and he's going to present representative statements of the par Bhagavat's Parivas Sutra. So, Again, we're in the same Anucheta. So you can see Jiva Goswami is, is really pounding the post here and making sure that we can look at this from this, the fourfold army. And now let me give you some representative statements within the Bhagavatam itself in support of the Pariva Sutra. And then he'll conclude by giving representative statements from other scriptures that support the Parivas Sutra and conclude this portion of his presentation of the evidence um, in the Krishna Sandarbha. So he's at this point, it's, it's, he's like, he's taken up the position of a, of a, uh, like an attorney in a court situation, I would say. Uh, and he's, he's making all the arguments uh, to support his conclusion. So he writes here in the 74th Anucheta, continually, Krishna is Hari himself. Other statements are also found that function like representatives of this declaration, Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, such as, their eighth child was indeed Hari himself. The word kila in this verse indicates 
that the statement Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam is well known. Consequently, Hari in this verse means Bhagavan himself. This too was in, confirmed by Sri Sukha. Bhagavan himself, the Supreme Person, appeared in the house of Vasudeva. Some commentary in regards to this section. Sri Jiva begins the topic with two examples of statements that are to be taken as direct representatives of the emperor verse. In the first of these, Sukha says that the eighth son of Devaki and Vasudeva, Krishna, was Hari himself, Swayam Hari. Hari is Bhagavan, and thus the expression Swayam Hari signifies that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. The indeclinable kila is used in this verse in the sense of definitiveness. In the second verse, Sukha reports that Garbodakshai Vishnu said to Brahma, I'm sorry, he reports what Garbodakshai Vishnu said to Brahma when the latter approached him to plead on behalf of Mother Earth. Vishnu informed Brahma that Bhagavan himself Saksat would take birth in the house of Vasudeva. The word Saksat means direct or without any intervention. In the present context, it conveys the same meaning as the word Swayam. Hence, both these verses are seen to echo the emperor's statement, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. We continue again with more verses from the Bhagavatam. Krishna is the complete Brahman. In a similar manner, Brahma also prayed to Bhagavan. How fortunate, how fortunate are the residents of Nanda's cowherd community of Raj, for their dear friend is Sri Krishna, the eternal complete Brahman, who is the embodiment of supreme bliss. Although this superlative degree of greatness, Brihatatmatva of Krishna, is already indicated by mention of his Brahmanhood, Brahmatva. The additional adjective, Purnam, complete, is the basis of the conclusion that he is Swayam Bhagavan. Unpacking a little here in the commentary, in this, in this verse, Brahma addresses Sri Krishna as Brahman and qualifies this term with the adjectives complete, Purnam, and eternal, Sanatanam, and the embodiment of supreme bliss, Paramanandam. Sri Jiva comments that in accordance with its etymological meaning, the word Brahman itself signifies the superlative degree of greatness, Brihatatmatva. This is to say that Brahman is unlimited by its very nature. When further qualified by the word Purnam, Brahman refers to Swayam Bhagavan, who is the embodiment of the culmination of Brahmanhood. Jeev Goswami continues in the same line. 
No one is equal or superior to Krishna. Sri Uddhava instructed Vidura, but he himself, the supreme master of the Trinity, is unequaled and unsurpassed by anyone. The totality of his will is always already fulfilled by virtue of his own intrinsic supreme opulence. Indeed, his footrest is venerated by the clashing sound of millions of crowns as the immortal guardians of the spheres bow before him while bringing him their offerings. So the context of this particular statement is made. Shudava uh, has, um, in his travels, come across I'm sorry, Vidura has come across Uddhava, and he's inquiring uh, about the state of affairs. How's Krishna? How's the family? Um, how's everything uh, going on in the world? And uh, unfortunately, Uddhava is in great distress because Krishna has already departed, and he just, you know, it's really not news that you you know, you want to share with somebody like Vidura. Uh, so he begins by, by, by just giving some philosophical statements uh, before he, he more or less comes forth with uh, information to Vidura about uh, the departure of Lord Krishna. The Anacheda itself continues, no one is equal or superior to Krishna. The compound, Asamyatisya, who is unequaled and unsurpassed, means that no one is equal, is his equal or superior to him. The reasons for this are stated as follows. He is the supreme master of the Trinity meaning that he is the Lord even of the threefold manifestation of Sankarshad, Prajumna, and Aniruddha, because he is the complete whole, Amsi, of which all others are but the parts, Amsas. As a result, the totality of all enjoyment is always already attained by him solely by virtue of his own intrinsic opulence in the form of the all-exceeding supreme bliss. The word balim, an offering, refers to the honor accorded him in the form of submission to his will. The word haradbi, by those who deliver, means by those who submit it to him. The latter are specified as the immortal guardians of the spheres. From the point of view of Bhagavan, Brahma, and others like him are only temporary guardians of the spheres because they are not eternal. Consequently, it is the eternal guardians of the planetary systems, namely the indwelling Purushas of the unlimited material universes by whom his footrest is venerated, meaning that the praises of his footrest are sung by the clashing sound of millions of didums, 
as they bow before him. This is a con, uh, conclusion as we go forward that is uh, very unique that Jeeva is giving here. He's saying that this, can, this particular statement can only refer to the immortal uh, gods, not to the, the temporary uh, gods within one universe, the demigods. Here, by the figurative sense, Dwani, which overrides the primary meaning, Krishna supremacy above all is what is being suggested. In some editions of the Bhagavad, we find the compound samastapada, the totality of all that is approached or desired, in place of samasta kama, the totality of his will. In that case, as well, the meaning is identical. From the context, it is understood that Sri Krishna is the substantive, the subject of this verse. Here, the word swayam too, but he himself signifies that he alone is the is of the nature being described, and this indicates that he indeed is swayam Bhagavan just as stated in the Emperor Shruti, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. So a little of the commentary here brings out a very interesting uh, point, uh, which most commentators uh, would not pick up on and highlight in the way that Srila Jiva Goswami has in his Sandarbha. The verse cited in this Anucheda is spoken by Uddhava to Vidura after Krishna had disappeared from the earth. They met in Vrindavan, at which time Vidura asked about the welfare of Krishna and his family members. Uddhava, who was feeling deep pangs of separation from Krishna, became absorbed in thoughts of him on hearing Vidura's questions. He then spoke about Krishna's qualities and activities which he knew from his own direct experience. The universes are said to be vertically divided into 14 regions, lokas, and each has a loka pala, or a guardian of the sphere. The loka palas hold the post for a specified period, and thus their appointment is temporary. The word chira, a long time, may in certain instances be used in reference to the devas who live long lives in comparison to human beings. The relation of Bhagavan, however, in relation to Bhagavan, however, the devas being non-eternal are not long-lived at all. For this reason, Sri Jiva concludes that here the word chira Qualifying the guardians of the spheres means eternal, and hence the compound chira loka palai is not referring to the ordinary loka palas at all. Rather, the loka palas being indicated are the limited manifestations of Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, who are eminent each within their own individual universe. Among the three guna avatars, Vishnu is the protector. 
And so it is not illegitimate to address him as a loka pala. So this is an interesting approach because that Jiva's using. He's taking the secondary meaning of a word and he's using that as a, the primary meaning in the context of what Sri Uddhava is saying to Vidura in order to bring out a greater glorification on Uddhava's part of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So it's, it's quite unique in that by taking this word meaning, this word, chira, uh, to mean all the heads, all the crowns that are at the footrest of the Supreme Lord and clashing together, this, this has to refer to eternal beings, not just to the devas who live such short durations of time. In, a, in comparison to our life, they live, you know, what would seem like an eternity, thousands of years. But uh, we also have scriptural statements that make it clear that the entirety of the material manifestation, uh, the entirety of it is contained within one moment of the Supreme Lord. So from the transcendental viewpoint, uh, the material manifestation uh, is, is very short in its duration. And this is some of the uniqueness of uh, a commentator, commentator like Sri Jiva Goswami, who can bring out these superlative points in such a way that the glorification of, of uh, Lord Krishna is magnified uh, immensely. We continue here. Sri Krishna's fullness compared to the moon. Krishna's completeness is also shown by way of an example, as in the words of Sri Sukha. Just as the full moon arises in the east, the indweller of all beings, Bhagavan Vishnu, manifested himself through Devaki, who possesses a divine form. The word yatha, just as, as interpreted by Sridhar, means as he is in his own intrinsic being. Some explanation here. 
Sukadeva offers the example of the full moon to indicate that Krishna is the complete Bhagavan and not an avatar or an expansion of someone else. The word pushkala, qualifying the moon, means not only full, pusta, but that which includes all its partial phases, kalas. By extending this analogy to Krishna, the implication is that he is complete with all his kalas or potencies. The indeclinable yatha is used to compare one thing to another, whereas yathavat means as it is. Taking the word yatha in the latter sense indicates that Vishnu appeared from Devaki exactly as he is and not in some lesser form. Just as the full moon appears as it is, so also Bhagavan appeared as he is in the fullness of his own intrinsic being. So one more Anucheta, and we will conclude this little section where Jiva Goswami's again gone back to the text of the Bhagavat Purana, pulled out specific verses, and given an unpacking of a, those verses to further reinforce this, this subject that Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam, that Krishna is the, the topmost uh, subject of the Bhagavat Purana, no matter which, every way you look at it, you can cut, not come to any other conclusion. And here he's even taken particular verses in this little subsection, he's taken these particular verses and he's given an interpretation to those verses, an unpacking, an explanation that further reinforces um, his position. As also Sri Sukha said, the full moon shone in the unlimited sky full of stars, just as Sri Krishna, the master of the Yadus, shone here on earth, surrounded by the Vrishnis. The meaning is self-evident. And since this Mahapurana is Sri Krishna's representative, he must be its principal subject. This idea is expressed by Sri Sutta. So we go back to the beginning of the Bhagavat Purana. Sutta Goswami says there, after Sri Krishna's departure for his own abode, accompanied by religion, knowledge, and so on, this Purana has arisen like the sun for those bereft of sight in the age of Kali. The meaning is clear. We'll conclude with this little bit of commentary. One of the six questions raised by Sunaka was, where has Dharma, Dharma taken shelter now that Krishna has left for his own abode? Sri Sutta replied that in Krishna's absence, the Bhagavat Purana will provide light to the people of the world. In other words, it will act as his representative or proxy, taking his place when he is absent from the vision of the world. Aprakrita. 
I'm sorry, Prakat, Aprakat, Aprakat. The intended sense is that the Bhagavat Purana is good as Krishna. Naturally, if this is so, it clearly implies that the prime subject of the Bhagavat Purana must be Krishna. In the next three Anachedas, he shows that the above meaning is also the conclusion of other scriptures. This is called Gati Samanya Nyaya, based on Vedanta Sutra. So we will conclude our presentation here. I thank you so much for your time and, uh, and kind association. And uh, I will continue with these uh, if requested uh, in a couple months after uh, the festival lectures are presented uh, on this form. If anyone has any questions, I can address those. Otherwise, Vanchakalpatu Bhishcha, Kripasunabhivacha, Patitanam, Pabadevgo Vaishnavijinamona Maha. Thank you, Sukhan, so very much. Hare Krishna. Krishna Kirtana Ganana Tanapano Premamritam Manidhi 